Hi, Andy. Uh, in this episode, you're talking with our chief scientist, Ranjitha Kumar. In preparing for the interview, I came across her Google Scholar profile. Pretty impressive. Yeah, Ranjitha is certainly pretty impressive. Um, I don't know how many tech companies have their own chief scientists like we do here at User Testing. I really enjoyed the conversation with Ranjitha. She's really going to share with listeners uh, User Testing's views on the adoption of AI and machine learning in experience research. Yes, so much is happening today around AI, and it seems to be going so fast. Well, enough of the intro. Let's get to the show. Uh, but before we go, Nathan, I got to ask, what do you call a wise owl with incredible insights? I don't know. What? An insightful hoot. The, like people who know <laughs> us will get that. All right, let's keep going. Keep going. Welcome to Insights Unlocked an original podcast from User Testing, where we bring you candid conversations and stories with the thinkers, doers, and builders behind some of the most successful digital products and experiences in the world, from concept to execution. Welcome right, to the Insights Unlocked. Oh, see, sorry, I talked right over you. Look at that. I was like, Ranjitha's like, look at these amateurs. They can't even get, can't even get through a sentence. Sorry. Go ahead, Nathan. That might be the actual opening of the show. We'll keep that. <laughs> Welcome to the Insights Unlocked podcast. I'm Nathan Isaacs, and joining us today as guest host is Andy McMillan, User Testing's CEO. Welcome, Andy. Hey, everyone. Uh, excited about today's show. Uh, our guest today is Ranjitha Kumar. Ranjitha is User Testing's chief scientist, which we will discuss in a bit. She's also an associate professor of computer science at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Uh, she has her BS and PhD from Stanford. And as part of her PhD work, she co-founded an Andreessen Horowitz-backed startup. So uh, it's going to be great to have you here. Welcome to the show, Ranjitha. Thanks for having me. To tee up our conversation today about the use of AI in experience research, we asked UX researchers in the user testing contributor network their thoughts on the topic. Here's what they said. So I've already started using it a little bit to prioritize my work, to strategize, but how I think AI will change UX research is I'm hopeful that there will it will help analyze qualitative data at scale. So, you know, we can conduct thousands of interviews and then be able to at least start with an analysis that we can then dig deeper into. What's the biggest opportunity or risks for AI and UX? I'm really concerned that people will start to use AI as a proxy for user experience research. Um, I'm a user experience researcher, and I truly believe that there's no real substitute for talking to humans and for watching humans. And that can be different than what, you know, an algorithm might produce. I would be more hesitant to have it replaced some of the higher level tasks. I won't ask it to draft a whole research plan for me, or I won't ask it to do my data analysis for me. Um, I, but I think it might have the potential. I would need to be the one to make the final decision to look at the results from the, the AI. I would never just take the results direct output and you know make that my deliverable. Having a way to, to summarize all of the information into a, uh, a report would be great to save a lot of time because the interviewing is the easy part, I personally find. But uh, it's the write-up afterwards is what takes the longest. So it would definitely make uh, things easier to, to focus on 
um, other tasks. In terms of risks, I don't believe it's going to cause an issue for anyone to be at risk with AI in terms of uh, the, um, uh, their job being lost. I think, if anything, it's going to make more jobs because the, um, uh, with AI, it's such a broad field. You can use it for so many things. And it's ultimately that information that needs to be processed is where that, that's the, uh, the best uh, way for it. Ranjith, I'd like to know what were your thoughts after watching the video? Anything sort of stick out? And maybe before you answer, can you share with the listeners what you're responsible for as user testing's chief scientist? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I think the most important part of my job is to understand customer problems and needs and also understand the cutting edge technologies that are out there and then figure out how to map between um, the tech and customer problems to come up with new and better ways um, to solve those problems. Um, watching the video, I was very excited about the future because um, I feel like our customers get the role that AI can play in terms of um, making their job easier and better. Um, I, I think one of the the researchers was, she actually said something like, analyze qualitative data at scale. Um, I, I think that really shows that you know, she understands that the the way that um, AI can come to bear on her workflows is in in a in a way that gives her superpowers. Um, she doesn't have to manually watch every video. She can, in fact, have tests with thousands of videos and have um, the AI identify for her the most important uh, bits, and uh, you know, only have to watch those videos and come up with actionable insights. So I, I was just very excited to see that people saw AI not as a, um, a, a tool that was going to replace them, but something that would amplify their own abilities and um, help us move into a future where, you know, ex experience research is elevated at, at their organizations. Yeah, I, uh, I had some of the same impressions. I thought it was interesting how... Um, folks are sort of on this sliding scale of what they think it could help them do. Uh, I almost wish we had done a similar test, you know, four, five, six months ago. And I think one of the things that's really happened with these large language models and chat GPT and things is there's sort of a belief now that this could be helpful. And even a few folks said something like, uh, I wouldn't let it do A, B, and C. Well, maybe C, but not B yet. But there's always going to be a need for me to play a role in how I would use that. And I think that was really interesting. It was sort of this like sliding scale of what was possible, but it almost seemed like people's imaginations could stretch just as far to imagine how they would use whatever that new capability would be to be better at their job. And so I agree. It seemed to have, on one hand, less of a fear around it, but also almost like an expanding um, permission set for what, what AI could do. And so I thought that was uh, that was really interesting. And, and maybe to, to segue to a question, I mean, there is a lot of buzz around generative AI. Um, what opportunities do you think generative AI creates and maybe what's, what do you think it's good at and what's it not good at? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a very interesting question. And I'll be honest, I think we're still trying to understand, um, what generative AI is good at and what are its limitations. Um, certainly I think there are interesting ways in which we can apply this technology to our 
domain and use cases. Yeah, I, I think um, it, I would love to hear where you think generative AI can kind of go. And then maybe as part of that, um, I think, you know, our audience is, is specifically trying to think about how AI, you know, can sort of uh, both disrupt and improve the, the UX research industry. And so maybe um, like thinking through not only large language models, but maybe we could even broaden slightly to kind of in the experience research space, what what role and opportunities do you see AI creating? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of cool because I, I do think AI can assist at basically every stage um, of the experience research lifecycle. So, um, you know, just to rattle off some examples, right, figuring out uh, the an AI assistant could help you figure out what to test, when to test, um, it can help you connect with the right audience it can suggest templates for you um it can also you know you you can even um describe what your research question might be and it can actually um generate a research plan for you or a test plan um and that's where i think it's really interesting because um in the sense that that generative capability we were talking about because it is very good at generating, um, you know, natural language English uh, sentences right now. Um, and so being able to go from having uh, vague ideas about what you're, what you're trying to understand and test and being able to see that reified in a test plan, I think it's very powerful as an interaction um, but, you know, I I think we'll have to kind of feel it out. Yeah, I, I think that's right. One of the things that um, you and I have talked about, Ranjit, is this idea that um, in sort of each section of the research as you highlight, right, whether it's what should I test, how do I test it, how do I understand what comes back um, to get that research, there's, there's ways it can help. I think it would be interesting for you to share a little bit with our audience that, um, you know, it's funny, I think in some ways, AI in a lot of people's minds is sort of expanded to be the large language models. But the reality is large language models are just sort of one aspect of really interesting things that that AI can do. I mean, one of the things that we've talked a lot about internally is um, asking an AI model, for example, to help you write a research report is really only as good as the facts that you can gather in the research, right? Ultimately, facts matter in research or observations or things that you collect. And one of the things, I mean, you didn't join user testing, you know, a few weeks ago when ChatGPT came out and AI was cool. Like you've, you've been working on this for quite a little while here. And uh, we've been doing a bunch of work in sort of other fields as well around AI, like machine learning. Could you tell everybody a little bit about um, the idea of extracting insights? You know, when it's one of the people spoke about, like, you know, I have all this volume of qualitative research. Um, can you talk about sort of what you know, machine learning models are already doing to help people extract insights from some of the research that they're conducting on the platform. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Andy. I think it's important to acknowledge that we've been doing, um, you know, machine learning, and we have several machine learning models in production right now um, on the user testing platform. So yeah, I I can't believe it's been almost four years since I've um, joined user testing and. Um, we've worked on very exciting, um, you know, cut, cutting edge models, like training cutting edge models. Um, I mean, we certainly can analyze uh, people's sentiment from the transcript data we collect. We can analyze where people are um, experiencing friction um, through analyzing their behavioral data. We can even 
um, understand what the intent is behind the behavior that we can observe that we record. So we can say in this part of the video, someone was trying to do a login interaction or here they were trying to find a product and check out, right? So I, I think um, it's very powerful that we can take um, all these different streams of data that we collect at user testing um, and be able to um, actually, you know, extract these insights um, across all of these streams. Uh, we're almost, I would say, triangulating across all of these streams to even get more powerful signals. And so I actually think we're so well prepared for this new large language model world, because as you say, um, most of the power is actually in the data itself. So if you don't have high quality data, you're not going to, um, you know, get high quality insights from that data. Um, I mean, the machines, uh, the, the machine learning models, right, this is where you actually run into hallucination as they get more powerful and they don't have the, the data to back it, you're going to actually end up with uh, perhaps insights that weren't actually based uh, on factual data. <laughs> so um, so I, I think that's why I'm so excited about user testing's future is because we're actually, we've been kind of preparing for this this new world all along. Yeah, the idea that you could sort of connect uh, something that comes up, say, in a research report that a maybe large language model helped you write, but as a consumer of that, the idea that you could connect it back to, a, like, a, again, a fact or an observation pattern uh, which is something we've been working on internally, I think is really interesting to be able to say, you know, oh, I read this in the report. I was surprised by that or excited by that. And to be able to sort of, you know, click and drill down and then see real customers, real people sort of, you know, giving that feedback, showing that pattern, um, hitting that point of friction, whatever that might be, um, I think is incredibly powerful. It, it is really going to change um, the way in which people can, can, you know, think about getting this kind of feedback. And I think it really speaks to me about the idea that when we talk to UX researchers or designers who are looking to get more feedback or, or even market researchers, one of the main things that we hear about, I get told all the time as a CEO of, of user testing is, you know, I'm sort of in this, like trying to show everybody in the organization what I can do, but at the same time being a little bit cautious because if all of a sudden everybody in the organization wanted to do this, there's just sort of no way to meet demand, right? We There's no way to test every design, every concept, every idea and get customer feedback. And one of the opportunities, I think, as we look at applying AI to experience research is, you know, imagine being able to have so many more things go through a validation step, right? To be able to say, hey, I can really expand when I test, what I test, and how I get that feedback. I can expand how I collect the results of that feedback. I can put quantitative measures against it, all these things I could do. And then what happens is a as a researcher is, now I've got all these signals out there that I'm learning from, and I can learn, oh, these areas of my, you know, whatever it is, my product, my website, my experience aren't very good. Now I can spend time researching what could be a better experience, which I think most people would rather be doing, frankly, that are experienced researchers. They'd rather be working on like a big meaty problem of like, hey, how do I fix this thing that doesn't resonate, resonate with my customer? Um, and so I think our more forward-looking researchers are really thinking about you know, if I could almost have this like experience research co-pilot that's helping me do sort of the, the validation research at scale, um, I could really be doing more generative things that are probably a lot more interesting and probably using AI to help me do that as well. Um, so, you know, I think that's the maybe the optimist point of view. 
Um, what do you think the risks are? Maybe beyond hallucinations, I don't know, maybe that's the biggest risk, but what do you think the risks are for folks to be aware of when they think about leveraging sort of AI and, and machine learning? The best conference to help brands launch the most compelling digital experiences returns. We hope to see you at our annual customer conference, the Human Insights Summit, when it takes over Seattle this August. Get a chance to learn from and network with the best minds in research, design, product, and marketing across the globe. More than 400 attendees will take over Seattle to learn, connect, and have fun. Join us for three days that will change how you use human insight to create exceptional customer experiences. Don't miss this 2023, live in person and streaming globally. Register at usertesting.com slash this. What do you think the risks are for folks to be aware of when they think about leveraging sort of AI and, and machine learning? Yeah, I mean, I think the risks are, um, you actually kind of hit on some of the risks, I think, in what you just said. I, I think the, the probabilistic nature and the non-deterministic nature of um, machine learning is uh, always, it, it, there's going to always be latent risk there, right? Because um, you're expecting models to um, generalize from data they've seen. So there's always the risk of it seeing data, you know, I mean, it's always going to see new data it hasn't seen before and predict based on data it has previously seen. So it could get things wrong, right? And so I think there are ways to mitigate for those risks within the experience. And that's something we've also been investing in um, for the last, you know, three or four years, because, you know, you know, there will be some, no matter how accurate your model is, there will be um, situations where it does get the prediction wrong. So you need to be able to first um, give your your users a easy way to um, actually validate whether or not the prediction was correct. And I think you um, referenced this when you said, well, you know, if an, if an, if an AI generates an insight for you, you should be able to actually see the raw data and verify that that insight was correct. So this, um, this, this way of drilling into raw data and being able to validate predictions, I think is very important. And in the, you know, all future experiences that we will release that leverage machine learning models will always have a fast way for you to verify the the predictions because otherwise you're not actually saving people any time, right? If they have to watch all of the videos again just to be sure if the if the takeaway or the insight was correct. And so um, always we want to make sure it's easy to um, to find out whether we were right or wrong. Um, the other one, the other risk um, is is the I would call it the the risk of missing out on things that are important, right? If you use an AI to tell you what's important, you might be ignoring um, stuff that happened that was probably important, but but the AI just missed it. And so there's this um, tension always between this, what they call precision and recall with AI models. And so the question is, um, you know, we have to work with our customers to understand how sensitive they are to 
the potential of missing out, um, you know, the summarizations might not summarize something that was there in the data that uh, a researcher would find important. And so that's um, another potential risk that's there. Um, the other, I think, uh, risk besides, you know, we talked about hallucinations, but I, I think there's also, um, it's important to acknowledge that when you're dealing with large language models, um, you know, they're, they're, there's going to be bias in the model and there because, you know, if it's being trained on all the information out there on the web, um, there are inherent biases in the data. And so we have to kind of be on the lookout for how those biases manifest themselves in our product. Um, I think one thing that's really interesting, actually, about training models on the user testing data, actually, is that we have all of this demographic information um, from the you know, the participants who are generating the data. And I actually think that's very important because we can actually um, be sensitive to that and train models where we sample better. So we can actually say, you know, this is a model of behavior in North America, you know, um, with people over the age of 35. Like we can really actually say what that data uh, you know, the data set is and um, who generated that data that we're training the models over. And I, I think um, as we head into the future, that actually gives me great comfort that we can um, in the market have that that type of advantage over others who are kind of blindly training over all of this data on the web. Yeah, I, I think those are those are all great points. I, I, I agree with you. I think the uh, one, the idea that the research data that are customers and, and folks that do kind of UX research create is really interesting when you think about it. It's a, it's, you know, purpose built. It has a test plan behind it, right? So all the machine learning models we're training, we know what people were supposed to be trying to do. Uh, we have their screen capture and they're all narrated by the person who was doing the activity. So it's, you know, a lot of, it's funny when people train their data or get their data ready for AI, some people will send their, you know, their silent videos out to be like, you know, narrated by some other person, right? Like we have a person doing it, narrating what they were doing. We have click path data and all this stuff. So it's a really interesting, well annotated data set. We have all the tags and stuff that researchers are placing against this tag. And so, you know, I think our, our uh, if you're a UX researcher or a designer or somebody's interested in this, and you're listening to the podcast, I think one of the things you should think about is like the, the data set you're generating is really interesting. And so, you know, we as a platform think about that as well and try to make sure we're taking advantage of that. Um, I think you bring up a good point about internet training data. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't believe everything that I read online. So I don't know that I want the models that I'm using only trained online. So I think that's a, that's a really good thought. And I want to go to your first point. Um, I think one of the uh, things I've always thought about since I joined user testing was sort of this, um, you know, believing two opposing things at the same time, which is, um, you know, one, uh, you know, can you help me get to insights faster? That's something customers have always asked me, right? I have so much to do, you know, watching all this content. Can you give me the insights faster? Uh, and so we say yes, but also at the same time, I hold this opposing concept, which is it's probably worthwhile to sometimes watch the videos because you're building intuition, you're building an understanding and empathy and understanding of your user. And so again, I think I go back to this idea that, um, you know, while it's great to have this sort of AI co-pilot that can help me do all kinds of things, I still think there's a need as as designers, as product managers, as as researchers to know your customer, to sort of be able to build that intuition. You know, the best ideas, you know, come not from looking backwards often, but from imagining people's future needs and 
and what's going to be going forward. And so I think this idea that, um, you know, AI can help us uh, in a lot of ways, you know, get more signal and get more answers. But in some ways, it, it's probably a tool also to point us to like, where do I just need to sort of, you know, sit down, get a cup of coffee and watch some of my users use the product still. Uh, I, I, I think we're never going to get away from that if we're going to build great products. And so I think that's one of the ways that at least I think about the, the future of the role, you know, really being this this sort of, again, the kind of AI-assisted superpower where you could probably do more, but ultimately, you know, I still think there's a person uh, at the end of this, both a person going through the experience, sharing what it's like to be a user, and a person who's sort of consuming that feedback and, and trying to understand and know customers. I 100% agree with what you just said. Um, a lot of people promise actionable insights from AI. And I think that's just really hard um, to know what uh, you should do, right? That's still, um, I still think that requires a human, as you said, um, to watch and really understand what the, what, what, what's happening at a deeper layer and understand how to improve the experience. So um, I, while I think that AI um, and ML powered technology can help you generate insights that that tell you here's what happened and here were some interesting correlations that existed across these tests or um, you know across these different data streams you can't then say turn around and say well they, you know they it would be really hard for the AI to say and then based on all of this um, these correlations that it observed, here's what you should go and change in the product, right? I, I think that layer of then here's the action you should take, that's really still very hard for an AI to get right. And you probably don't even want to trust AI to do that for you, honestly. Um, and so, no, I, I think you we're really talking about um, making the mundane aspects of the job, uh, like automating the mundane aspects of the job so that you know, UX researchers can do what they do best, um, more efficiently and better. So, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely believe in a future with, you know, uh, human in the loop. We're not trying to automate everything so that you can just hit go and just everything gets um, automatically optimized forever, <laughs> perpetually. You know, we're not we're not headed into that future. I think there has to be a human at every stage in the um, experience research life cycle, but we can make their life a lot easier. Yeah. And I, I think that's right. And their impact even broader, right? So if you think of the, you know, you mentioned sort of the yeah. mundane, the reality is there's no shortage of mundane that could be being done right now, right? Again, I go back to like how many, how many designs go through a full UX research vetting and validation before they're shipped? How much stuff do we ship? We just didn't do that. And you think back to, I, I look, I draw the analogy kind of to, to QA. I mean, nobody ships code anymore that didn't QA. But a lot of that was we learned how to automate yeah. some of the mundane aspects of QA. We still every we still have a QA team. People have QA teams, but we the code coverage is much higher. I think that's sort of the opportunity here is, is we could really change the, the coverage model. Um, so, look, I suspect we could probably go on for quite a little while. It's an amazing topic. I think this we will have to revisit this segment, I think, a few times because, again, this space is really evolving uh, quickly, so I think it was really interesting. Um, again, to, to hear not only where you see this going, but um, you know, this is not a new thing for us. We've been working on machine learning and bringing AI into the platform for a couple of years now. So it was nice to sort of connect the dots on 
why those things are important and those things are, are um, where they're going forward. Ranjitha, thank you for being on the show today. Before we go, I wanted to share with our listeners that you are hosting a YouTube series on the human AI collaboration. And in the series, you and your guests will take on many of these topics that we discussed here today. And a link to that will also be in the show notes. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to subscribe to those. That sounds amazing. Uh, so Ranjitha, again, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Nathan. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find the show notes at usertesting.com slash podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, this is Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from user testing.